All right, let's do this one last time. I am Jack's raging vile doctor. The Prince's Bride. By S. Morgenstern. I can't believe that Bryce prefers Van Patten's card to mine. They bought it. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Okay, so what am I doing? Hello, and welcome back to the Nerd Notes Podcast. I am JD. And I'm Morgan. And this week, I'm pretty excited about this topic. We're doing a deep dive into narration. Yes. In film, in any capacity. Uh, And I think this is super interesting. This was your pitch originally, Morgan. Why did you want to do a narration episode? I I feel like so many iconic films have narration. Mm. And then I've seen a lot of YouTube videos that are like, the best narration, the worst narration, like how to do it well, and that just like got me like, it's something I haven't thought about as much as I feel like I should. And now, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm in love with it. (laughs) Yeah, It's growing on me. (laughs) I agree. This is, when you originally pitched this episode, I think it was one that I had never thought about. Because so many movies incorporate narration in different ways. Like, Quentin Tarantino movies will have one segment that's narrated, like, totally randomly, and the yeah. narration's not a feature. <laughs> like, Inglorious Bastards has that one scene that's narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, and it's one scene long. And it's like, why did he do that? That doesn't make any sense. But, um, so it's, it's super interesting, I think, to talk about it. Yeah. I don't think I realized just how big of a, a part of movies narration was until I started looking at, you know, until I started looking into this. Yeah, because I was like... I know so many movies have it, but I can't just off the top of my head think of like, oh, this movie, this movie, this yeah, movie. And absolutely. then you kind of have to like think of it. It's not something as obvious as as it feels like it should be. <laughs> but then when I started thinking about it and going through my letterbox profile and oh, looking yeah. at all my films, I was like, this one has a little bit of narration in it. Mm-hmm. This one has a little bit of narration in it. So. Yeah. Um, but kind of on that topic, what do you feel like are your first thoughts when you think of narration in film like where does your mind go first i did realize i have a very broad idea of what narration is because at first i was like i can't think of anything that has narration because i was thinking strictly like someone is telling a story yeah from the outside of what you're seeing okay and then i was like well no because there's also like sometimes they're not telling a story sometimes they're like just thinking and sometimes this and sometimes this so I think I have like a super broad of like anytime someone is talking and their mouth is not moving with the words, like that's narration to me. The more I've thought about it, I'm like, well, I don't know what else you would like. Maybe there's other categories, but I would call it narration. Yeah. I think it is super broad. Uh, I made a big letterbox list that I'll probably link in this video because I really enjoyed making it. And in it, I tried to incorporate what type of narration it was or who the narrator was oh interesting my mind typically when i was thinking of narration it Mm kind of went to animated movies um i was thinking about like the opening of treasure planet or of hercules really disney movies i guess is what i was thinking of or how to train your dragon Mm -hmm. uh where i don't know it feels very fairy tale to me to have a narrator yeah once upon a time you know there was a princess and a pretty castle (laughs) and all these things it, it feels so cartoony to like have this voice set the stage for you basically but i think narration goes way beyond that in ways i i didn't really think about but that's like my first thought but then you see how much more 
yeah. a part of movies narration <laughs> is in ways well, that you don't expect. My very first thought was Star Wars, and they don't even say it, but the the reading text, I was like, that's basically narration. That is narration. That's like yeah. the worst version of narration out there. Because and we're gonna talk about different kinds of narration later, yeah. but you know, it's sometimes you gotta use it to to introduce the story. Mm. Uh, you kind of have to get the ball rolling and sometimes if you need to bring your characters or you need to bring your audience into uh, a, an existing story in an existing world yeah. and that's the quickest way to get them the information they need to get yeah. on board with your story is just to say like, hey, here's the deal. Here's who these people are. Here's what they're up to and Star Wars is a great example of that. Yeah. Do you think you mostly had a negative or a positive view of using narration as a storytelling tool specifically in film? I think I mostly had a apathetic view of narration, honestly. Gotcha. I was like, yeah, it's a it's an element of storytelling that's used, but I don't think I ever thought of it as like a great thing or a bad thing. Mm. Maybe, you know, we're gonna talk about good ways and bad ways to use it later as well, but like there if it's like a crutch maybe, I'm like, I don't know. That's what but... that was my first thought is like really negative of like, oh really? like narration's like the cop out. Oh, a lot of things. the That's coward's kind of, way to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. But the more I thought about it, the more examples I found. I was like, man, but there's like great ways to do it too. So, yeah. Do you have like a favorite narrator, like a character or a voice that you're like, this narration I love, I really resonate with? Absolutely. Um, not in a movie, but I had to say it. Uh, <laughs> David Attenborough. Oh, yeah. Who of does course. all the nature documentaries. He's got that like deep. British accent. Um, we we love David Attenborough, and for no reason other than like I just studied to it, and I fell asleep to his voice in college many many nights, and it is very very warming to my heart to hear him speak. <laughs> no matter it. what he's saying, even if he's like you know talking about a tiger murdering something viciously, I'm like, oh, <laughs> David. <laughs> oh, David. Uh, I think. For whatever reason, what my mind first went to was also mm -hmm. not a movie. It yeah. was Angela Bassett narrating the Imagineering story on Disney+. Plus. Oh, um, I think I've heard that, but... Yeah. <laughs> I know you're not... You're, you're a renowned Disney hater, actually. <laughs> like, renowned Disney hater. But uh, it was a... I grew up um, going to Disney parks with my family... And so Disney is something that's occupied a lot of space in my mind over the years. Yeah. And there's this really great, like, five-part documentary series about the history of the Disney parks. And Angela Bassett was the narrator. And for whatever reason, her narration stuck in my head. Like, Angela Bassett's an icon. <laughs> you know, we love her. But that was, like, the narration that stuck in my head. It was, like, my favorite. I was like, wow, she did such a good job explaining this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, with that being said, I think we should just go ahead and jump into the types of narration and please feel free to jump in with any others um, because there's uh, there's honestly I think we should start with uh, introductory narration mm, like yeah. narration that comes in and, and sets the stage I'm thinking you like Star Wars is a great example mm -hmm. maybe like in Pinocchio Jiminy Cricket comes in he's the first voice you hear and he's introducing the story and telling you the elements you're gonna see so like that kind of like introductory narration yeah especially yeah. popular with like um fantasy uh sci-fi think worlds that need need that extra explanation that yeah. you just don't have the time to <laughs> network one of my favorite movies of all time mm -hmm. uh was a part of our movie swap last year 
kind of has that too, where it's like this big, bold voice comes in and is like, here is the setting that's, you know, here's what's going on in the story yeah. before you get here. Yeah. Um, I think that's like a pretty common type of narration that I don't really think about as much. And a lot yeah. of the other types we're going to talk about come into play with this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is typically what people associate with narration. Yeah. Did you ever watch the animated Star Wars The Clone Wars TV show? No. No? Okay. For a very <laughs> specific set of people who are listening to this or watching this, <laughs> I think that's really going to resonate because every episode of the Star Wars The Clone Wars animated show wow. opens with this big, booming narrator who tells you what the situation and the yeah. pre-context was for the episode you're about to see. Uh, more uh, available to the public at this moment, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. The most iconic, like, water, earth, fire. And it, like, yeah, yeah. And it sets the stage. <laughs> and so a lot of times I think that's maybe if, you, if we're going to put, like, a specific role for narration, which is probably yeah. something else we should do to introduce this conversation like the role that narration most often serves Mm -hmm. is just providing context oh yeah and then there are ways to cleverly use and uh i think um you know alter expectations and play with expectations uh narration like because it's known to be this thing that just provides context it's usually like doesn't have a lot of personality it states things very matter of factly Mm -hmm. or at least that's i think the typical understanding that's like yeah. proto narration <laughs> you can kind of start to play with expectations as you move on and start to mess with the context a little bit yeah, yeah. but i think disseminating information might be and setting context with the primary role of, of narration and then as you kind of get to play with things a little bit the first like real type of narration that i thought of was uh inside a character's head so this is like a character who is narrating to the audience and we're hearing their inner monologue yeah. was, was sort of where I was going here. Uh, Fight Club. You know, Classic. <laughs> I, am, I am Jack's raging bile duck. Mm. That was one that, I, that came to mind. American Psycho. You've seen American Psycho, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is probably the most famous example where it's like we are inside <laughs> Patrick Bateman's head and we are hearing his thoughts as he sees the world being explained to us. Uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman, I thought, mm-hmm. was another like good recent yeah. example. There's so many movies where I think I wish this would happen in. Like, I want to yeah. hear exactly what they're thinking and why they're doing this. And the characters that usually get this inside head is not like they're always just like some crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Which is really interesting because it is used to give more context and yeah. for crazy people you need the context of what they're thinking and why they're doing things otherwise they're just doing things <laughs> i think when you're inside a character's head it is more often than not it's like an unreliable narrator yeah and i don't know what would you say like is the primary purpose of a story being explained to us from inside a character's head i guess that it's not true yeah because it's because if it was true, they could just show it or the person would be saying it or to hide something. I think telling a lie is a great way to say it because it's like we have for the story to happen the way it does mm. and for we as the audience to get the most out of it in circumstances like this, it's almost like we have to be inside their heads for the story and the story arc to make sense the way it does. Yeah. And that usually happens when we have characters who view the world differently because a lot of times movies are shot... Even if they have like an objective point of view, 
like that's I think that's it. Like they have an objective point of view. Yeah. Subjectively from the director, but movies are showing things as they are in the form of the story. Mm. And then a movie like Fight Club does a lot to show you why <laughs> the world is not actually the way that you think it is. We're seeing it through the lens of this guy and how he views the world in a way that it is not objectively. Yeah. And his narration throughout the story sort of explains to us what we need to get the most out of the movie the way the director's intended to be done. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and so that's kind of where I'm thinking, like, when we're inside a character's head, sometimes it's pretty simple. Like, it's it's Robert Pattinson's Batman, and he's, like, narrating, you know, what's going on from his perspective, like, giving yeah. some pre-context for him. And I think in some cases, like, that one, it's not even really, like... Like, you would have gotten that from the story anyway, but it just kind of makes him seem cooler. Yeah. You know, like, you kind of see how he feels of, like, I'm saving the city. Like, we know mm-hmm. he's saving the city, <laughs> but hearing him say it all poetic, like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple other examples here. Memento is another one where mm-hmm. we're, like, inside the head of an unreliable narrator. Yeah. And so it's it's Leonard, and he's, like, explaining to us how he sees the world. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the main theme with all of these is the fact that you you can't always trust the perspective of somebody who's like giving you the story the entire time yeah and then you have if you have an example like robert pattinson or um you know my dinner with andre is another example where it's like he's just kind of coming in we're hearing the thoughts inside his head it's almost like have you ever heard like the difference between a monologue and a soliloquy no Well, probably, but I don't remember it. (laughs) I learned this this semester in college. So uh, a monologue is being delivered to someone, like to an audience. A soliloquy is not being delivered to anyone. So when you're seeing like a play performed on stage, Mm -hmm. um, a monologue would be like a character getting up and giving a big speech. Mm -hmm. And like it's intentionally delivered to someone. A soliloquy, it's a stage performance. So you're still like seeing their inner thoughts. But yeah. it's like being delivered to no one. It's almost as if it is their inner thoughts. Gotcha. And I think that's the distinction here between this. It's like it's completely inside someone's head. And we are getting a unique insight into their mind mm. in order to understand the story in a different way. Yeah. And so, yes, like Edward Norton is the narrator in Fight Club. But his narration is important because we are able to understand the story only because he's telling us how he sees the world. Yeah. And that affects everything else. Versus the next type that I was thinking... Which is, I called it just omniscient first person, mm-hmm. but it's almost like a monologue where somebody is talking direct to camera and like maybe they're like addressing the audience, like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Maybe they're addressing like a fake audience in the movie, like In the Heights was an mm-hmm. example I thought of here. Um, Asteroid City. Asteroid City, yeah, yeah. A, a great example. Yeah. Like now you have, like in In the Heights, you have uh, Anthony Ramos's character is talking to like a group of kids to tell mm-hmm. them the story mm-hmm. and he narrates the story as we go, but he's talking to an audience. Yeah. Ferris Bueller does the same thing. He's yeah. like explaining, he's breaking the fourth wall, talking directly to the camera, but he is taking the audience along, mm-hmm. like knowing that it's being delivered to someone. Like yeah. here is a character who is explaining what's going on either for the real audience or for a fake audience, but it's a distinct difference between like Fight Club or American Psycho where it's like stream of consciousness in their head because here it's like intentionally explaining things like uh, like Asteroid City is like here is what's going on so you understand mm-hmm. and then when you're inside a character's head they're giving their perspective so that we understand the story but it's less explicit yeah it's like it's so we can understand I don't know it kind of, it just like sets the vibe 
of like yeah. who's telling the story when they're telling it because usually it's like after it has happened yeah yeah and that changes a lot of like how you're about to feel going into the story it like takes some of the tension off it makes it feel more nostalgic to you and to the character telling it and and so you kind of know that you're hearing it from this out not outside but like further along in life perspective of, of yeah. what happened so like what do you think about forrest gump versus Ooh. Fight Club in terms of narration. Because, like, Forrest Gump, it's, like, him talking to people at the bus stop, being like, hey, here's what my life was. Yeah. And it's, like, the narration is because he is, like, telling a story in the story versus yeah. Fight Club is just, like, him, like, talking, and yeah. we're understanding the story through that talking. Yeah. Like, why choose one versus the other? I'm feeling like timing has to do with it. Like, when they're telling it, whether it's, like, it's already happened and they're looking back on it, so you're getting more of like the highlights and like how mm. it gets to like what that person achieved versus they're just telling you as it happens why they think it's happening or why they're choosing to do something and it's more more intense, less fairy tale. Yeah. What do you think? I like that sort of breakdown where it's like how much are you in the story? Like it's, it's yeah. visceral versus like you're just kind of from an outsider experiencing it. Yeah. You know, it's like the difference between reading a book and being like totally inside like a first person character's head mm -hmm. or reading a book and having like an omniscient narrator explaining things. Yeah. In a movie, I think it's interesting, you know, like like, like Forrest Gump or, or Asteroid City, mm -hmm. where it's like we're kind of being told the story. We are being told the story from the future, right? It's like yeah. here's everything that happened so you can understand. It's, it's a good framing device. Yeah. Versus, like, being actually physically in the story, even, like, in The Batman with Robert Pattinson, like, mm -hmm. he's sort of setting us up to understand. So, like, it starts, like, that movie has, like, the best vibe. It starts off amazing. Oh, yeah. With the Nirvana song and the <laughs> and way he's introduced. you are in immediately. But you are in immediately. And then he comes in, gives you this, like, understanding of where he's at. Mm -hmm. it, and because that movie doesn't have a ton of dialogue from him, it's like we yeah. need that to understand him as a character and to go along with him the movie understand his thought process. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's in like Forrest Gump. I know I'm just kind of pulling out random examples <laughs> like arbitrarily, but it's like the different kinds of narration I think are really interesting when they're both this like first person, you know, it, it, it makes you experience the story totally differently. Like oh, the yeah. function of narration causes you to experience the story totally differently. And yeah. I think when you choose which type of narration is really interesting. Another type would be like omniscient third person when there's just like a wise, all-knowing narrator <laughs> like somewhere up here who yeah. is just explaining things to you. Barbie is like a really good yeah, recent yeah. example I think of this <laughs> where you just have like Helen Mirren's disembodied voice <laughs> telling you things. The Royal Tenenbaums also is an example yeah. of this where it's just like, Here's someone explaining the things that are going on to you. And then you see this too in a lot of fairy tales where it's like, okay, here's like an omniscient voice just sort of telling you the things that are going on. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about this kind of like third person narration? I think it might be my favorite kind. Oh, yeah? If it's done well. I feel like this might be the hardest one to do well because you are just explaining things like straight up. You're, they're, not, they're not acting. They're yeah. like telling a story mm -hmm. um, that one might be my favorite one just be, it does feel very fairy tale makes it feel very like um not i don't know it kind of like part of me is like oh well it kind of takes you out of like being in the movie but it also sets up the movie in a really interesting way to like allow you to enjoy it more like yeah 
Does yeah, I don't I don't I know where I'm going with that. You. But <laughs> I think I'm following you because it's like it's it's almost like the Star Wars thing. I think yeah. it's like the most classical type of narration. Yeah. Where uh, we started off with like I think things that are more recent or more experimental because I think you see this in a lot of old Hollywood movies. Casablanca starts off with this in another type that we're gonna talk about in just a second. But it's basically saying like it's this way to sort of bring you into the story and explain what's going on and just cut through the BS. And basically, yeah, like, here's what yeah. you need to know. You're in Barbie world now. <laughs> to Barbie, everything is perfect. And that gets you into her character arc. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it also affects the way that you view her. Whereas if Margot Robbie was going to talk yeah. directly to camera or talk like to other Barbies and like narrate things. And it kind of tells you how to feel about it. Because the way yeah, they're saying it, right, I'm thinking yes. of the Barbie climactic moment. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of telling you like, this world is this way and this person's going to do this and that's stupid or really great yeah. and and here's why and then you listen to the story and you kind of get this like oh okay like this is how I'm supposed to be thinking about this and again it's kind of used to like tell a lie sometimes it's like yeah. you have to be like okay um, I'm trying to think of an example but when people say something along the lines of like this is how this story happened and some people say it's this way, but this is what really happened. And yeah, you kind you get of get of this that. like back and forth of like, who am I believing? And, you know, usually you're believing the omniscient third person. <laughs> yeah. Hercules, Disney's Hercules has the mm. omniscient third person, but it's like, there's like a narrator at the beginning that explains the story. And then you have like the muses who do like the musical numbers along the yeah. way that sort of guide you through the story from like an objective point of view. Mm-hmm. This person too also is not, in the story or affected by the story. This is like a disconnected person. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about first person, like narrating the story, Forrest Gump in the Heights, Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. They're all in the story, either at present or reflecting on the past. This person is like totally removed from the story and just like telling you yeah. as objectively as possible, here are the things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's maybe like a key difference there too. Yeah, but yeah. then again, like it all affects the way that you're going to perceive the movie and story. Mm-hmm. Documentary narration, I thought was an interesting one. Do you oh, have yeah. any like documentary narrators that you were kind of thinking of here? Or? Just David Attenborough. I yeah. don't think I know any other by name. It's such a yeah. like, such a niche <laughs> thing to... There are so many documentaries and like, I feel like I don't know too many people who are really involved in the documentary world. Yeah. A lot of times documentaries are just like kind of face to like direct to camera narration, like yeah. like talking heads on the office or something. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they have like an outside narrator who takes you through like a lot of nature documentaries, I think, yeah, do this, like yeah. David Attenborough. Um, so again, another important type of narration, but it's a, it's kind of the same as the omniscient third person where they're just telling yeah. you things that are happening most of the time. And it most often is like connecting things for you because you're not getting the full story you're not getting a beginning or an end you're getting like the middle parts that are missing and yeah and how to connect them and oh this person does this Mm -hmm. you know you always hear the like this is blah blah blah. she does this and this and this and then she starts talking about it or whatever yeah Yeah. that's a good way to explain it i think uh comedy narration was i think a great point here i don't know so like what is comedy narration i'm just i'm thinking more like I guess it's the other types of narration, but using it specifically to get a laugh out of somebody. My mm. One of my first thoughts on narration was Emperor's New Groove. Oh, yeah. Um, where it is like, it is used to tell parts of the story, but it's not completely necessary. And it is always used 
to make a joke about mm-hmm. what is happening in the story. Um, same with Deadpool. Yeah. He does a lot Great. of like, you know, freeze frame. This is funny. Here's here's something funny. The Big Short. Have you seen this? No. It's like the whole thing is narrated by Ryan Gosling. Okay. Who is a character in the story as mm-hmm. well. And then he's like breaking the fourth wall and explaining like, hey, so here's why this is important. Because that's a movie about the financial crisis and like the housing mm-hmm. um, yeah. bubble burst from 2008. And so he's like stops the movie to just explain financial terms to you, basically. <laughs> and it's like it's pretty silly and clever sometimes. Sometimes it's a little grating, but yeah. <laughs> it's like done for the purpose of yeah, we, you need to understand this information if you're gonna understand what's going on in the movie. Yeah. And then also like let's try to have fun and be goofy with it. Man, I maybe I'm just maybe I just love it. I fall for it every time. I think yeah. it's always funny, <laughs> and maybe it's just because it's like something you don't see often. Um, but I do really like people doing um, parodies of it whenever they're always like, my life's pretty crazy. And then they yeah. like explain something. I love it. I think it's so funny. So like rec- record scratch, freeze yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love comedy with narration. and. <laughs> there are great ways to do it. I mean, you have like, like Helen Mirren comes in for like the line about Margot Robbie yeah, and Barbie, yeah. you know? <laughs> Everyone's like, and a lot of people don't love that line, but that's like, they kind of break... The narrator in and yeah. use the fact that she's the narrator making a comment mm-hmm. about the screenplay that like yeah. breaks the illusion of the movie for the, a second. And Emperor's New Groove, when the story's really about the the guy and he's like sad, it's a really like low part of the movie and he's like crying and then he jumps in and like draws a red X around him and he's like, This movie's about me. Like yeah, this is yeah, not yeah. his story uh-huh. because and it just like kind of keeps you lighthearted whenever it goes too yeah. serious. <laughs> And then I thought this was a great point, not obvious narration. Yeah. So you want to explain this one a little bit? I was thinking uh, people who like try to do narration, but try to not do narration. Um, Very much the apocalyptic film Mm -hmm. and you don't know what's happening and and you're watching someone like eat their sad dinner and the news station is on in the background. It's like... Today, 800 aliens landed in Arkansas. <laughs> it's like really loud and really obvious about like, okay, yeah. like it's it's telling you what's happening. Interstellar um, does that. They have like that like yeah. documentary about like the Dust Bowl or whatever that's like explaining even, things. I was even adding, uh, The Martian does this oh, in yeah. a little bit more, like a really clever way because he's video diarying. Yeah. Because he... There's no one else in the movie. Like, it's just him sitting there. So he's not going to talk at all. But there's lots of dialogue because he sits down and, like, Avatar does the slides. Like, day 32, the experiment's yeah. going good, whatever, I made potatoes today. And then it, like, <laughs> montages Sounds through. Just like Matt Damon. And, like, it is narration because they're just telling you the story through talking. But it's just, it's usually used, like, to speed things along. And Yeah. And, and apocalypse movies. <laughs> I also thought another funny example when you talk about like newsreel, Casablanca was what I was thinking of, mm-hmm. does this, where they like have like an opening like newsreel, like a fake newsreel that just explains the context of the movie. Yeah. It's like, here's what's going on, but it's like, oh, it's just like the news is telling you, but it's also narration to mm-hmm. get you into the story. Same mm-hmm. like as Star Wars. Yeah. Um, or American Graffiti does this by having like this guy on the radio called Wolfman Jack just mm-hmm. like narrate the night that all the kids are having. <laughs> yeah. But it's like he's just on the radio and he's just talking. Mm. But he's saying things and playing songs that are relevant to the story. And 
that, that that was a cool way. Yeah. Okay, so the real question maybe to answer here would be the purpose of narration. Ooh. Um, and we've kind of been talking around it a lot, but I think there are three that I thought of main purposes of narration. Mm. Either you're trying to do exposition, you're trying to recap things, which is similar to exposition, <laughs> but you see this a lot in sequels where it's like, hey, here's where we left off. Like, you know, the first Spider-Verse does the bit where it's like, Let's do this one more time, and it does it with every character. <laughs> That's exposition. They're having a, they're doing it really creatively, but just telling you information you need to know to get on board with the story. Yeah. Recap: Spider Verse sequel does this. Here's where we <laughs> left off. Or character development, um, and I think Spider Verse also does a little bit of this, especially with Miles at, or Peter B. Parker, where they sort of introduce mm-hmm. the character's arc and then at the end tie it together. Um, and so I feel like those were kind of the three main purposes of narration. Do you yeah. agree, disagree, have any thoughts on those? Yeah. Um, trying to think of which one. Which one do you like best? I don't know. What do you I think is like used the best most often? Most often I feel like, I think movies have tried to get away from this and doing things mm-hmm. cleverly, like not obvious narration, but exposition, Lord of the Rings comes to mind, yeah. the first Lord of the Rings, where yeah. it's like, Hey, here's what you got to know to get on board with the story. Here's the mm-hmm. context that's coming into it. And I think when that's executed well, you, you see that even in the Batman. Yeah. Uh, even though it's like inside his head, it's like, hey, I'm just getting information out there. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times that's the primary purpose of narration. And then how you do that, like how creative can you be? Yeah. Uh, how annoying are you? <laughs> like, I think this is probably the primary purpose is either exposition or recap but i think using narration for character development if it's done well is like really creative and cool yeah and sort of like explains things to you in a different way Mm -hmm. the royal tenenbaums a little bit does this by Mm -hmm. just like sort of telling you things that you see the like develop the characters along the way um i don't know i don't know if i have a favorite (laughs) or a best i think that these purposes and when they're executed well and we're going to talk about that in just a second yeah like I think the purposes are all kind of tied together, but are really interesting to look at too. It's like, you know, it's just like, Hey, movies kind of have to do this (laughs) to get things going. Like they have to tell you what the context is because a lot of times they like to show without telling, but there are sometimes you just got to tell. Yeah. And you know, I think of like the theater a lot too, you know, like people walk out and they're like, this is what's happening. And then they walk away, and then it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, a necessary, a necessary part of, of telling a story. And, like, I think it gets a lot of hate sometimes because it's like, yeah. oh, show it, whatever. But when you do it well and you do it clever and you still are, like, setting up the vibes in it and it's not too long, like, I think it can really help a story. Yeah, I agree. We're going to take a short break and be right back talking more about good and bad narration. Planet Arrakis is so beautiful when the sun is low. It's a lot of money. I get it. I can feel you judging me. Ori is it. Listen to him. He's making the story sound like some Greek tragedy. Lighten up, dude. We'll take it from here, darling. You go, girl. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. As you wish. We're back. We're back. <laughs> so we left off talking about purpose of narration. Mm-hmm. And I think we had circled around the ideas of like, okay, really the primary purpose of narration is just to get information out to the audience that they wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah. 
Maybe it's recapping things. Maybe it's just explaining the situation. And maybe it's developing the character through a way that the story couldn't otherwise. Yeah. Now, I think we want to talk about good narration versus bad narration. Ooh. What would you say... I mean, maybe it's the three things we just talked about, like recapping or expositing. Maybe it's a lack of those things. What makes narration good in your mind, Morgan? I think good narration is first used in a clever way. Okay. Um, so it's not just like a plain opening shot and one person you know, clearly reading the sheet for the first time, <laughs> monotone telling you what you need to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think when it like, it has the same amount of character. Okay. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of ways you can do it that make it feel, uh, like it's taking away from a story that you wanted to hear. And then there's really good ways that make you feel like, it really set up like mm -hmm. I'm thinking the from beginning to end the narration should get like more and more exciting and yeah. it ends on that high note of like oh I'm excited for what I'm about to see yeah. instead of like this happened this happened this happened and then it ended and and now here's this you know a movie I think does that super well is mm -hmm. Network where they just kind of tell you like hey here's the situation here's what's yeah. going on here are the characters that you're gonna meet and then when that movie ends, and it ends big, it's like a big dramatic finish, yeah. the narrator comes in with just like this really like sardonic punch. Mm. And it's like, it's it's almost like, it's like the narrator's kind of dry in that movie. Yeah, He's got like a good narrator, like radio voice. But then the way he delivers the lines, it like, I think it comes in and closes that movie perfectly, ending it in a similar way to how it began, mm -hmm. but in a way that feels really satisfying and true to the tone of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great point. Also, when I was thinking about some of my favorites, um, I think what makes it really good is the visuals that go along with it. Okay, sure. Um, like having the montage of what's happening mm, in the mm -hmm. background of them explaining it does does loads for making it actually good. Um, I'm thinking yeah. like Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah easily amazing narration so iconic um you know like some things that were not meant to be forgotten were lost you know mm, and yes. whoever that actress is um Kate Blanchett yes yeah. yes oh my gosh her voice is so amazing and it's like it goes it's, it's like, really long because that's what I was thinking I was like maybe it's not that good I rewatched it today because I was like maybe it's not that good because it's so long like it's gotta get boring and I rewatched it today, and I was like, no, it never got boring. The thing is, like, yeah, when you have a movie like Lord of the Rings, there is, and Dune has this as well. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, Dune's going to be big the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about thinking about it. Uh, can't wait. The first Dune has the bit with Zendaya, where she's like, you know, my mm. planet Arrakis is beautiful when the sun is low. I forgot. I literally um, just watched that movie this week, and I <laughs> didn't think about that. Because Dune's, like, sets up. It's like, all right, so now we got Zendaya, but it's also, mm -hmm. like, okay, it's Paul's dream, but she's narrating some important information. And then throughout the movie, because you have a lot of context, you have to explain 
like you have like Paul watching like a little news clip or whatever. Yeah. And so there's little bits of narration sprinkled throughout the movie mm-hmm. that sort of set the tone, set the context of what you're going to see. Yeah. I think the movie does it really well because it's subtle. It doesn't feel overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't rely on it as a crutch, but it uses it in different moments when it's really necessary. Yeah. Dune does the thing too, I think, where they, they do a lot of showing and not telling. Yeah. Like Dune only uses narration in a few key moments. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like telling you the story visually or communicating a lot through conversation and dialogue. Yeah. And there's a lot of conversation and dialogue you have to get through <laughs> in Dune. One of my best friends was telling me he watched it for the first time uh, back a couple weeks ago because he knew the second one was coming out and he thought it looked interesting. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's kind of like hard to sit through because of how much they have to explain to you yeah. throughout the movie. And Lord of the Rings kind of does undercut that a little bit by just yeah. telling you a ton of information at the front oh, you've yeah. got an awesome narrator and mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett and it's like here's everything you need to know about the history of this world before this story yeah. starts and they like hard montage it's not like oh we're showing you a few things that she's talking like everything she mentions has like a full scene full characters because yeah. she's she's telling a whole entire movie and you know I think it's like seven or eight minutes long yeah. but you're also watching it happen and mm-hmm. I think often the narration doesn't have a visual along with it even like a a bad it's just like it doesn't have to do with what they're talking about yeah and it makes it feel like harder to keep up with especially if it's longer um so yeah i think lord of the rings is great where it's you're you're watching it it's like cutting it's keeping it interesting and then it like it like fades out like a few times in the middle the music is crazy and then all of those things that you saw like come back in so it is worth watching because all of the characters it's their ancestors and all of the music is recreated in different ways as it goes so i think also making it good is making it actually necessary when it's there and you don't really need it um it's just annoying to like sit through um especially like a second or third watch um yeah i think that's what struck me about uh how good Dune's narration was was because mm. it was like sprinkled through at key moments. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Leonardo DiCaprio Great Gatsby. Yes. That's yes. one that I feel like the narration was like way too heavy on. Mm-hmm. Like, because Tobey Maguire's narrating that movie, the same as the book, like his character narrates the book from his perspective. Yeah. But in the movie, they lean on the narration really heavily. I felt to a point where it got kind of annoying at times. Yeah. I think and maybe, maybe just Tobey Maguire's a little annoying. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Didn't disagree with it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's one where I'm like, all right. I mean, Ready Player One, too. Not an amazing mm. movie, but then, like, definitely, like, narrates a lot. Yeah. At least I remember it narrating a lot. I've seen it a few times, and I'm like, yeah. I think the more I watched it, the more I was like, guys, like, I don't think we need this much. Because sometimes it feels like poor narration is almost like a lack of trust in the audience to understand what's going on. Oh, yeah. If you feel like you have to keep coming back and keep explaining things over and over again, mm-hmm. whether you're talking direct to camera, like, I mean, Goodfellas is a lot of this, where it's like, mm-hmm. you're just talking direct to camera and explaining things that are going on, and sometimes it's really funny and it gets you invested in the plot, and then sometimes it can feel like it's just too much. Like, yeah. let me figure some things out for myself sometimes. Yeah. Like, If it's that hard to figure out, like, maybe there's other bigger problems we need to solve here. <laughs> I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast, uh, but when I was 16, I made a movie. Mm-hmm. Thinking, like, oh, you, what are you doing when you're 16 with your friends? You make movies, right? And it's terrible. Don't watch it. Uh, it's called The Mouthwash Movie. Uh, <laughs> and when we made this, me and one of my friends wrote it. 
uh, we wrote a script and we shot it out of order because we were just like picked like we had several different locations so we just shot all the scenes from like one location mm-hmm. over the course of several days and when we tried to cut it together we realized it is completely <laughs> unintelligible you don't you can't tell what's going on in the movie yeah. <laughs> um, we also used all of the footage we shot which is a terrible idea <laughs> so we went back through later and had one of our friends serve as the narrator yeah. but that movie like when we when we finally showed it to our friends they're like that is the most over-narrated movie. <laughs> because, I mean, it was our yeah, fault. Like, yeah. we needed the narrator to communicate key plot elements mm-hmm. that got missed. Yeah. But sometimes, and I'm not saying that, like, I'm at any <laughs> level of a professional here. Like, if you have to input that much narration, yeah. like, I feel like Ready Player One does lean on it pretty heavily. Like, mm-hmm. if you have to input that much narration, like, I think, you know, you... you you've messed up somewhere along the way yeah. in your story mm-hmm. because good narration, like it's like Lord of the Rings where like it explains key elements without feeling overbearing. And when your narration is overbearing, like you've messed up somewhere else, it's poor narration, like, yeah. but it also reflects poor storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's to begin with. Uh, um, one of my least favorite movies, um, <laughs> you're going to hate me for it and I'm going to stick by it. Uh, Blade Runner, the original. <sighs> it was coming. Um, so I'm on the tape perch too, so you can get judged for this. Um, yeah, uh, Harrison Ford, my man, who I think very long ago should have tried another um, career. Um, he narrates in the Blade Runner, and I listened to some of it today because I was like, "This is a hot take. I need to make sure I believe this." Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, it's like he's reading the script for the first time. It is literally like. It is the year, whatever, 2049. It's 2019. Yeah, and robots are bad. (laughs) And, like, that, he just, he's so monotone. The, like, spacing and the sentences are so bad. I just hate the way that it is literally, like, it's written really weird. It's, like, really weird lines that they're making him say. Mm -hmm. It's in weird spots. It's, like... And I think that's a really common um, problem with characters doing narrating that are in yeah. the film. Mm. Um, also, Twilight, which is one of my favorite movies. That's um, one, that was <laughs> one of the things I was thinking when you were talking about. Yeah. That, like, stale narrative. Like, it's stale. I, Kristen and, Stewart is not much of a narrator. Yeah. In yeah. that movie. Like. Exactly. It's, it's really stale. And not only is it stale, but they, it's not their character. Yeah. Because it is their character. You're hearing... Uh, Bella Swan's voice, but you're not hearing things that Bella Swan would say. Yeah. Everything that's in narration in Twilight, like the intro, it's iconic and like I love it. But she's saying things like uh, I think in in the second movie or the movie she she does like this whole like Robert Frost poem, like <laughs> fire and ice, and this is uh, blah, blah, blah. and she's like this really like introspective like sad like poetry and like maybe that's the vibe she gives off but not when she's speaking (laughs) and so it feels like another person is talking even though it's supposed to be them and it gives you this like the very beginning of the first part gives you this really bad idea of who she is as a character and then you never see it again the rest of the film it's just her being her and it has nothing to do with like how she how she was talking originally which yeah. Man, takes me takes me out of a character very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of the things I think is cool when you can have, if you're going to have consistent narration from mm-hmm. a character in story, yeah. like when you do the American Psycho thing, where mm-hmm. it's like, I don't feel like the, and that movie I have a lot of problems with, but I don't feel <laughs> like 
the illusion that movie's ever broken mm-hmm. because it feels like this character is incredibly consistently written all the way through. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's something I'll come with that movie for for sure. Yeah. Deadpool, I think. I don't know. Maybe it's just my opinion, but like I, I that like that just kind of grates on me after time, and yeah. so like when you do the thing where like I know that's it's based on the comic book, but I don't to to me personally it doesn't translate as well. Yeah. At the first time I watched it, I I really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. I was also a teenage boy the first time I watched it, and I'm a man. All right. Okay. I'm an Men adult. Men don't watch Deadpool. Uh, I'm gonna go see the new one when it comes out. I am for sure. Seen I love it. Deadpool. A whole lot. <laughs> but I feel like they... I, I like both of those movies. Like, I'm generally positive on those movies, but I feel like they lean so heavily on the, like, Deadpool's gonna break the fourth wall yeah. and he's gonna talk to, to the audience and he's gonna say something crass. And I feel like... I think it's it's not like it's bad. I feel like I would put it in, in like, a, a mid-tier maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, like, I think there would probably be better ways to do this more cleverly. Yeah when it's like it, it's almost like a crutch like I don't know it, get, it gets old exactly it gets stale yeah. when you do it too much it gets stale mm-hmm. and to me Deadpool is like the thing where it's like it was great and funny the first time but it hasn't translated as much whenever you watched it because it's like alright like you're doing more of the Deadpool thing and like yeah. I've already seen this like <laughs> and so it's just like you know I, I think there are definitely more creative ways for them to do the Deadpool thing and yeah. hopefully the new one it's been a couple years since so we've had a Deadpool movie mm-hmm. will be a little bit better but it's just one of those things where for me personally is like I think it gets kind of stale the more you go it's like yeah. you know when you lean too heavily on the one thing it's the same thing as like over narrating yeah. like w- <laughs> you, anytime you're telling a, a story i think you need to be sparse with your good elements mm. otherwise like too much of a good thing is a bad thing yeah and too much of deadpool talking to the camera can be a bad thing yeah i also put um along the same lines is movies that are like literally just narration mm-hmm. not like documentaries but i'm thinking um like any dog movie where the, oh, where the dog is just thinking example. constantly. Great um, example. Shout out to my coworker Vance for that idea. Shout out Vance. <laughs> it like it's so so incredibly annoying and like usually they're kids movies and it's whatever. But I also was thinking of um, Warm Bodies again because we talked about this last oh, yeah, week. Yeah. Warm Bodies. He is a zombie and so you're hearing the entire time he's talking. He's just like deadpan staring at the camera in a zombie way, and he's talking to. I don't know if he's talking to the. He's, he's narrating. <laughs> I don't know if it's to the audience or if. It, I think it is to the audience. Um, I think he breaks the fourth wall on that. But it's like the entire film yeah. is that person talking that's not in the movie. And I hate it. <laughs> like, I will just listen to an audiobook. Like, I don't need you just telling, I don't need one person saying the whole story to me for two hours straight. It's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Santa Paws, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Get called out, Santa Air Bud. I don't know. Actually, if they do those, I haven't seen those in forever. But, I don't know. I don't know but <laughs> I know, I know the kind of movie you're talking about. Like, it's like, and they have like a, like a C list, like Josh Gad yeah. plays the dog. And it's just Josh Gad making jokes at the camera and reacting to everybody the yeah, entire time. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched Drew Goodin on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, really funny YouTuber that I like a lot. <laughs> he has a video where he is talking about a dog movie. Uh, it's like Home Alone with dogs. And like the dogs mm-hmm. have like, you know, voices that can talk to each other. <laughs> and so it's just like this voice actor like yelling into the camera while yeah. a dog sits there like, 
not reacting. I think uh, Vance was telling me about it. He said that in Strays, the new-ish Oh, yeah, with the movie, Will Ferrell, like, voices yeah, the dog. They yeah, they make a joke about that. All the dogs are talking to each other, and then they meet one dog, and his mouth doesn't move, and someone's talking, and they're like, oh, he's one of those narration dogs. That's pretty funny. That's what, yeah. That's pretty funny. So. <laughs> Good joke, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, Strays. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I don't know. Are there any, like tropes of narration that you can think of that are like this is like an annoying thing when narrators do this or this is the thing you love when narrators do this like dogs would be a good one i think yeah i was i don't think it is technically narration i was thinking knives out Mm, and like general um mystery films because i was thinking the whenever it's at the end and you've like gone through this whole story and then they're explaining not explaining what is a, what has happened and is about to happen but explaining what you just saw but like for real right at the end yeah um i don't know if i like that or not i think there's times when it's like you get that moment like in knives out or i don't know if that i think it's narration it's not he's he's speaking to the camera but then it montages while he's speaking um and it kind of just like replays everything but then there's like one new thing and he's explaining what's happening and those like get you really hyped because you're like oh like that's what happened i knew it i knew it but i do think there are films that do it that um it's just like it's like oh and then blah 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 um this is the end and then it kind of ends blase like not how i wanted it to a lot of times you get like um in romance movies you get uh you know like they get married and it's like yay and then there's a party and then and then you get like a and then and then they lived happily ever after or they're like this person did this and the side couple did this and this person and it's just like the like offhanded like i guess you gotta tie up some loose ends here you go and then it just fades out and you're like well that was stupid (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think, again, like, with all these, there are ways to do it well and ways to do it poorly. Yeah, yeah. The only one I really had in mind for, like, a trope is, like, when it turns out that the narrator was, like, the main character all along. The Polar oh, Express is what I was thinking yes. of. Where it's oh. like, ah, oh, like, it's me. <laughs> I'm telling the story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Those just, like, <laughs> eh. I'm trying to think of a good one, and I don't think there is one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's so funny how prevalent narration is. Like, yeah. how many different movies have we probably listed on this podcast? Oh my gosh, like, so, many. so many. And there's so many different kinds of narration. Like, you know, whether it's like a framing device, like The Princess mm-hmm. Bride isn't one we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. And the whole thing is kind of narrated by the grandfather mm-hmm. as like a framing device of the storybook. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's like for one random scene, like in Glorious Bastards, sometimes it's the entire movie, like Barbie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, you know, like you need to explain things that are going on in pre-context, like Lord of the Rings, and you drop the narration. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just wild. Like it's this incredibly important element of like visual mediums, like yeah. like film and television. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I never really hear people talking about narration like yeah. this. So. I don't know. It's 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 really interesting to like sit and think about like what makes it good or what makes it bad. Yeah, like why people choose to use it. Like sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's it's adding things. Sometimes it's it's lying. And it's yeah. just like every way that it's used can be used super cleverly and in a really fun way that adds a lot to to the story. Yeah, I agree. Like any, you know, there there's ways to subvert. 
gosh, I was trying to think of the word subvert the entire time. And it just came to me. Subvert. Subvert. Like they're because we have expectations for narration, they can be subverted yeah. cleverly. Um, I'm seriously shaking the entire time. Uh, and when you have any sort of thing like this, it's such a part of the film language. Yeah. It, it gives you a lot of space to be creative with it and subvert it the more you go. Yeah. And so I think it is really cool to see, like, you know. And just think about, like, this element of film that we don't really pay a lot of mind to. Because, yeah, yeah. a lot of times it's just exposition. And sometimes just exposition can be great. Yeah. And sometimes it can be really grating and it can yeah. be too much. <laughs> and so, like any element of film, like, I don't know, like lighting or, like, you, ha- it has to be good. And when, you, when it's not good, you notice it. But when it is good, it almost slips under the radar. Yeah. Like, I don't think I watch movies and I'm like, wow, the narration in this was excellent. Mm-hmm. Unless it's, like, super narration heavy, like yeah. David Fincher's The Killer just mm-hmm. came out. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the same thing as Fight Club or, you know, American Psych, where you're inside the mind of the character the entire time. Um, that's, like, the most recent example of narration <laughs> where I was like, oh, yeah, that was definitely some narration. Like, Barbie, I forget about it. It's the same yeah. thing. I never watch a movie and I'm like, wow, the lighting was so good in that scene. But if the lighting was bad in that scene, I remember. Yeah. If the narration was bad, mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, I don't know, maybe this is truly just my opinion and I'm like <laughs> in this like echo chamber with myself, but I'm like, sometimes narrators are the unsung heroes of movies. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking uh, the Wes Anderson shorts that came out great. last yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, They're, great example. The, it's an entire, I mean, it's only eight minutes or however long, but it is fully narration telling exactly what they're doing as they're doing it. And I think it's amazing. I think it works super, super well. And not a lot of people have been able to do something like that and make it good. Yeah. So to close out the conversation, do you have like one or two that you think of as the best uses of narration or maybe one or two that are your favorite uses of narration? Um, Mine are two very basic answers um, that I think everyone could easily agree with. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings intro, um, because I watched it today, and because I love those movies, and I think Emperor's New Groove. I'm so glad you said this. I didn't my number two. It's so funny, and whenever you know um, the whole like background of uh, they made it and they rewrote it and they rewrote it and people left and they rewrote it and like none of it made sense and they had all this thing and they just like needed to put a movie out and nothing made sense so they were like oh I know what to do let's just add in some like <laughs> random so there's like parts in the movie where the guy comes out and he's like how did we get here I don't even know oh well and then just move <laughs> on and it's like a genuine like people writing that movie did not know how they got there and they were like we just guess we'll just throw them on there and fix it because it's just like genuine mistakes happening along the way being patched up but in an amazing way that makes it better and i think knowing that every time i like see a scene from it it just makes me really happy that um it like was patched in a way that is so funny and consistent i just love it so much (laughs) that's such a great example a great case for narration I feel like mine is, again, going to be kind of basic, but I just love the Spider-Verse movies. I think yeah. they do it so well. Yeah. I think it's clever. I think it does. I think it serves the purpose well. It's not mm-hmm. overbearing. Yeah. And the let's do this one more time framework yeah, yeah. plays great to me. And it, like, I didn't even think of those when I was thinking about this because it's so integrated into what's happening. And yeah. the visuals match it so well that I don't even think about it being, like, someone When you were talking about like, montage earlier, that's what I think about. Yeah. Like, you know, we, like, are seeing just these little clips... Like when Peter B. Parker first shows up, we just get these little mm-hmm. like you know three second snippets of his life, but yeah. they're animated the same way as everything else. They're so vibrant. When Gwen mm-hmm. Stacy comes in, we get the same thing. As in the sequel, we have like yeah, 
so many more. When, like, we have the Chris Pine Spider-Man at the very beginning, like, mm. doing all the things. And we get to see, like, the snippets of the Spider-Mans over the years. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, and it, it, it sets the tone, the vibe of the movie, mm-hmm. gives you the information you need. All the things that we've talked about the entire episode, I think it just, it, it nails them all. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's a good one. If you have an example of narration that we missed, that you love, or if we said that you love the narration in Deadpool or Blade Runner and we kind of trashed on it, let us know. Um, I don't know, if you think about narration, if this is just something that we're like on about that you don't care about, maybe you have an appreciation for it now. I don't know. If you have any thoughts on narration, let us know. We're going to be here on YouTube or Spotify, TikTok, wherever you can find us. We're on Instagram at No Notes. Mm-hmm. And all these links are going to be in the description of wherever it is that you're finding this. So, yeah. This Thank was you. a good one. This was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening or watching No Notes. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>